So um, this section is is very interesting. I uh, I love how Isaiah is so masterfully um, putting everything together. And you know we've we've built upon the Bifid structure uh, each week as we've studied here, but um, this one is just kind of taking everything and just throwing it at you for for the end times. Um, a couple things from the, the literary message here that uh, I thought was interesting before we start uh, diving into the chapters. It says that um, part seven characterizes both the wicked and the righteous as, let's see, as each of them, as each category reaches its apex when confronted with the other. And so um, as soon as the righteous have to confront the the wicked and vice versa um that's when we're we're reaching the the climax of of the end times so the righteous exercise faithfulness and wisdom under duress and are sustained through trials by their knowledge and fear of jehovah um and so that's something to look for as we are going through these two chapters um looking at the two groups and and how they deal with the the conflict or the the duress that that is happening um it really helps delineate which which side people fall on uh which side they they truly choose um because no man can serve two masters kind of principle um that becomes apparent there's there's no more gray area and so um that plays a huge part in in these chapters um, before we, you know, I'm going to pull up the, the chapters here, but uh, any insights or, or cool things that uh, popped out to you uh, from these chapters that you read today, or I mean, for today? Okay, so um, Isaiah 32. Uh, 32 and 33 go like hand in hand. We can't read one without the other. So <laughs> we'll have to try to push to, to get through both of them. But um, I, I think that these are so telling to what we're, we're going through right now. Um, and I don't think that it quite reached um, my level of understanding until uh, just recently with that, that church letter and how everything became really divisive and, and very kind of sides were, were kind of drawn and taken. Um, I think that that plays in a lot here. You know, I don't think that we're done taking sides and, um, and everything in the last days, but, but it just kind of struck a, a tone with me as I was reading these chapters. I don't think I would have understood them as well had that not happened before I read them. And so, um, just kind of taking that and, and things like that into consideration as we're reading. Um, so if we could, let's see, how many verses are there? 20. So if we read like uh, 10 verses a piece or so. Um, so let's go with Tracy. Would you read the, the first 10 and then Laura, the, the final 10 in Isaiah 32? Sure. A king shall reign in righteousness and rulers rule with justice, and a man shall become a shelter from the wind or refuge from the storm, like brooks of water in a desert place or the shade of a large rock in arid country. The eyes of those who shall see 
shall not be shut, and the ears of those who hear shall listen. The minds of the rash shall learn understanding, and the tongues of the stammerers master eloquence. The godless shall no longer be regarded as noble, nor rogues considered respectable. For the godless utter blasphemy, their heart ponders impiety, how to practice hypocrisy and preach, perverse things concerning Jehovah, leaving the hungry soul empty, depriving the thirsty soul of drink. And the rogues scheme by malevolent means and insidious devices to ruin the poor, and with false slogans and accusations to denounce the needy, but the noble are of noble intent and stand up for what is virtuous. Up and listen to my voice, O complacent women. You careless daughters, hear my words. In little more than a year, you shall be in, in anguish, O carefree ones, for when the harvest is over, the produce shall fail to arrive. Be alarmed, you complacent women. Be perturbed, O careless daughters. Strip yourselves bare, put sackcloth around your waist. Beat your breasts for the choice fields and flourishing vines. For my people's land shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. Mourn for all the amusement houses in the city of entertainment. For the places shall lay abandoned, the clamorous towns deserted. High rises and panoramic resorts shall become haunts forever after the playgrounds of the wild animals, a browsing place for flocks. For by a hail shall forests be felled, cities utterly leveled. Then shall a spirit from on high be poured out on us. The desert shall become productive land, and lands now productive be reckoned as brushwood. So shall justice inhabit the desert and righteousness abide in the farmland. And the effect of justice shall be peace, and the result of righteousness in assured calm forever. My people shall dwell in peaceful settlements, in safe neighborhoods, and comfortable dwellings. Blessed are you who shall then sow by all waters, letting oxen and asses, asses range free. All right. So, um, kind of scrolling up here, we're uh, alluding to the ideas of the, the Davidic servant in the end times, the king that shall reign with righteousness, but also, and rulers rule with justice. So um, those on that seraphim level that become the kings and queens, um, they're going to be to ruling with justice alongside of the Davidic servant. And um, this is all in preparation for the ultimate king, the, the king of righteousness that... Um, uh, Christ that, that will reign throughout the millennium. Um, but I think it's interesting here how we have the, the, the flip in um, that all of the, the lush places become desert and all of the desert becomes uh, the, uh, what does it say here? Uh, the brushwood uh, or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's that, that flip in circumstances. And, um, but I find this interesting because in that uh, uh, metaphor there, 
here in verse two, it says, and a man shall become as a shelter from the wind or a refuge from the storm. So what do we think that that might mean? Um, Because now we're having a man. um, uh, So like a person is taking on uh, characteristics of um, other things kind of thing. Uh, Just what are your thoughts on what is Isaiah trying to, to get at there? Um, in context of, of verse one, where a king shall rule with righteousness and rulers rule with peace, but a man should become as a shelter, meaning um, that through the, the kings and queens, the uh, 144,000, whatever you want to uh, categorize them as, that they will be uh, acting as Davidic servants, actually um, providing shelter and, and refuge for, for their people um, that they are, are over through that Davidic covenant, much like King Hezekiah, right? Where he um, provides and protects for his people so that they can have a deliverance um, in, in times of, of distress because they're, the winds and the storms aren't going to cease in the end times. Uh, those, ones, th- those are only going to ramp up until the second coming. And so that a man, or uh, you could replace kings and queens in there, um, shall become as a shelter. There will be an important role for them to fill in the protection and deliverance of, of the people from the winds and the storms that, that will beat upon them kind of thing. I thought that was, that was interesting. Um, and, you know, looking into Avraham's commentary on it is, is a must read too. Uh, I think that there's a lot there that... You know, I, I'm just kind of scratching the surface, I think, uh, in some of my understanding. Um, yeah, he, he says in the commentary, he says, as denoted by the singular noun, man, those who reign with Jehovah are persons who serve as proxy saviors to Jehovah's people by qualifying them for his shelter and refuge and shade um anything else that that stood out to you in the chapter let's see i I think verse five we're very seeing the godless shall no longer be regarded as noble nor rogues considered respectable I think that there's kind of that that change happening uh, in the world right now. Yeah. <laughs> and then I loved verse nine too. Up and listen to my voice, oh complacent women, you careless <laughs> daughters, hear my words. You know how many times does uh, Jehovah, you know, talk to to his bride in in very loving terms and things? But there are sometimes when no, you, <laughs> you kind of need. Uh, a wake-up call here and stuff and uh oftentimes when it's the the male metaphor it's awake and arise but but here in uh this one it's it's up and listen uh wake up and and start hearing what is actually happening um kind of like the the five virgins that uh were careless here um uh, being complacent and careless is not going to 
to get you anywhere, but you can still be invited. You're still invited to the, to the marriage feast, but you have to get up and start listening and hear my words. But then 10, I think I, I haven't even read his commentary on verse 10 here, but what does that mean in little more than a year? When, when does this year start or, or what's uh, going on there? Do you have the commentary there, mother? Yeah, it's, I've it's, got it here too. Okay. Um, go ahead, Darlene. With another year left of Jehovah's three-year warnings against oh. a serious assault. See, Jehovah's voice, his servants alerts them to the coming time of scarcity. It says like, and he refers it to Lot's wife, how she couldn't imagine that, you know, uh, Sodom and, and Gomorrah had been there forever. She thought that, you know, there's no way they're going to be destroyed. And so this goes back to that complacency thing. We can't, you know, just live thinking that those things can't happen because they can and they will, according to prophecy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So <laughs> this is uh, a crazy question, but if you had to venture a guess when uh, it says in a little more than a year, when would you say that that time period starts in, in the end time context? Because yes, he's speaking historically when it applied to Israel back then. But when do you think that this same principle this year um happens in the end time <laughs> that's a loaded question you know no right or wrong answers obviously <laughs> probably in the next five years mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah in little more than a year you shall be in anguish because there's going to be a scarcity of things uh the harvest is over the produce shall fail to arrive i mean that that's right around the corner i'm afraid scaringly (laughs) closer day by day it seems you know i'm not trying to be doomsday or anything obviously but uh you know like look at at what's happening all the time like the the kroger guy i just was reading um that the i don't know one of the chief officers of kroger said guys it's it's here uh we're gonna start marking up products and stuff but there's gonna be a time when our commodities will will be scarce. You won't be able to get the, the groceries that you used to be able to get. Uh, the inflation is, is right around the corner. I don't know, uh, you know, who knows exactly what that entails, but um, uh, it's kind of scary sometimes to, to be living actual uh, prophecies of Isaiah here uh, in little more than a year. Uh, whether we want to take that and apply it directly to our, our lives and be prepared or um, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, that was just one that seemed super real to me today as I was reading it going, yikes, the yeah, alarm. Of all the things that you love, you know, that we won't be able to have like yeah. the cow, we won't have cheese and ice cream and just those kind of things that we probably take for granted, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Exactly. And then what happens after everything um, uh, fails to arrive? To be alarmed, be perturbed, and uh, strip yourselves bare, put sackcloth around your waists. So we need to, to start going into mourning here, uh, into those times of when we are trying to, 
to expiate our own sins and uh, repent fully of um, anything so that we can refine ourselves and um, come out of this. Yeah. And we're all going on a diet too, man. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Um, But yeah, it seems like um, with this mourn for the amusement houses in the city of entertainment, um, that Avraham's commentary had a, a lot on that section and stuff. But um, looking at the our, our huge cities, you know, how they'll be laid desolate. There's going to be um, an overgrowth of briars and thorns, as it says. But um, these high rises, these um, clamorous towns deserted uh, shall be haunts forever after. You know, we see lots of apocalyptic movies and stuff in the last decade but like that's gonna start becoming real like there's going to be a, a desolating scourge and there's going to be uh, actual uh, destruction of of major cities uh cities utterly leveled that's going to be an interesting time to live through <laughs> mm-hmm. good time to live in the country yeah, exactly. I, I've always put my roots down here in Malta. I hope and that's where the Lord keeps me. Yeah, you know, when Katie just moved out, I made sure she moved to the country too. Yeah. She lives in the middle of nowhere. Whatever you do, don't go to the city. Right. Um, but yeah, so, so shall justice inhabit the desert, righteousness abide in the farmland. Um in these, the, the last part here really talks about uh, kind of where uh, refuge can, can be, uh, calm forever, that the people shall dwell in peaceful sediments, safe neighborhoods, comfortable dwellings, um, letting oxen and asses range free. Uh, there's, there's some hope. It, it's not going to be all desolating scourge, but, but yet um, there, there will be uh, the right places with with the right spirit and and living in in peace i i think the last part there mm-hmm. I, I think that's talking into the millennium part mm-hmm. yeah so with that that comes there um yeah because the the effect of justice shall be peace and that justice is is only going to come as Uh, Christ comes and and smacks everything down and puts all in order, right? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so on to the next one, chapter 33. Let's see how many verses. 24. 24, yeah. Let's see. There. All of a sudden, I have like a couple notifications pop up and i'm trying to get rid of them but they're not going away (laughs) it's like a cover my screen um so uh mother could you read like the first 12 um and then kathy if you're willing to read uh, if you could read uh 13 through 24 and if not that's fine we'll um skip on to the next one but mother you can go ahead and start with 1 through 12 okay woe to you despoiler who yourself was not despoiled O treacherous one with whom none have been treacherous. When you have have done with devastating, you shall be devastated. 
when you are through betraying, they shall betray you. O Jehovah, be favorable towards us. We have waited for you. Be our strength of arm from morning to morning, our salvation in troubled times. The people fled from your thunderous voice at your uprising, the nations scattered. Their spoils was harvested in the manner of caterpillars. Like insatiable locusts, they rushed upon it. But Jehovah is supreme, for he dwells on high. With justice and righteousness, he will replenish Zion. Your faithfulness in time of trial shall prove to be a strength. Your wisdom and knowledge, your salvation. Your fear of Jehovah shall be your riches. See their stalwart sob in, in public, the champions of peace weep bitterly. The highways are desolate. Travel is, as at, is at an end. The treaties have been violated. Their signatories held in contempt. Man is disregarded. The land lies withered and forlorn. Lebanon, Le Lebanon wilts shamefully. Sharon has been turned into a dry waste. Bashan and Carmel are, what is that word, denuded? Mm -hmm. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> now will I arise, says Jehovah. I will now become prominent, now gain preeminence. You who conceived chafe and brought forth stubble, chaff, I guess it is, the fire of your own breath devours you. Whole nations have been burned like lime, mown down like thorns and set ablaze. Okay. Take heed what I have done, you who are far off, you who are near be appraised of my might. The sinners in Zion are struck with fear. The godless are in the grip of trembling. Who among us can live through the devouring fire? Who among us can in abide eternal burning? They who conduct themselves righteously and are honest in word, who disdain extortion and stay their hand from taking bribes, who stop their ears at the mention of murder, who shut their eyes at the sight of wickedness. They shall dwell on high the impregnable cliffs are their fortresses, bread is provided them, their water is, is sure. Your eyes shall behold the king in his glory and view the expanse of the earth. You shall recount in your mind the terror where are those who conducted the census, where are those who levied the tax, where are the ones who appraised the towers. Then the insolent people are not to be seen. A nation is incomprehensible speech whose babbling tongue was unintelligible behold zion the city of our solemn assemblies let your eyes rest upon jerusalem the abode of peace our immobile and immovable tent whose stake shall never be uprooted nor any of its cords severed none who rise, reside there shall say i am ill the people who inhabit it shall be forgiven their in iniquity 
May Jehovah cause us to dwell there, a country of rivers and broad streams, where no warships sail or majestic fleets pass by. The rigging hang loose, they hold not the masts in place, nor spread on the sail, nor shall spoil and abundance be divided, and even the lame take part in the plunder. For Jehovah is our judge, and Jehovah our lawmaker. Jehovah is our king, he himself will save us. All right, thank you. So yeah, there, there's a lot there. How does that apply to our day? Are we seeing any of these things um, starting to, to form or to, to play out in our day? Um, yes. And, <laughs> right? Yeah. A lot. Um, I, yeah, there's a, a lot to unpack there. What did everyone uh, see that uh, caught your attention? You know, something I, I saw that was um, kind of crazy was where it says something about the towers will, will mm -hmm. fall or, you know, and is it coincidence that, you know, we're still, <laughs> we're on the 20th anniversary of the towers where are the ones who, I mean, this is a praise the towers, but there's another somewhere that I read about the towers. Mm -hmm. I mean, and the babbling, listen to our president he babbled you don't understand the word he says yeah. look at all the fires that we're having you know it's and it's in places that where a lot of wicked are too mm -hmm. yeah where are those who who levied the tax who appraised the towers incomprehensible yeah. speech and babbling like yeah I, we're we're there nothing nothing makes sense anymore no <laughs> you know, like everything's no. just it's everything's opposite it's like it says you know the even that where the deserts are going to be now in bloom and where it wasn't it's not going to be what's good was is now bad and what's bad's good and everything's in opposition to what we normally think is right mm -hmm. yeah it's a crazy time to be alive that's kind of why i said um at the beginning of the class that it's like man it's it's fun to be in the restoration you never know what you're gonna get um but when you start reading scripture and going oh no yeah we're we're right there we're living this uh, yeah it's always interesting color. To see that. <laughs> yeah it's kind of crazy uh, that was with isaiah i mean like i always knew that we were in the end times and stuff but it wasn't until i started reading isaiah with y'all that it was like no holy cow like we are actually living these specific prophecies and stuff like this is this is becoming all the more real to me and and how everything seems to be playing out right before our eyes so well, we can either can be I, mm -hmm. and okay i got a question yeah we know that a temple has to be built in jerusalem again correct we all okay and so with this week's you know i teach primary so i'm and i i have to pull back on what my thoughts are at when i'm doing it okay because <laughs> they're only seven and eight years old but um so we never got the temple built in jackson we never did we mm -hmm. never ever did do you think because it says it will be built one day that when the one in jerusalem's built is the same time we're going to build the one in jackson do you think those coincide with each other i mean that's where my thoughts go uh-huh yeah am i, I just am i crazy <laughs> uh -huh. 
because yeah like we have to build up the two different zions right you know the right. jerusalem the new jerusalem they they're kind of uh, twin things and so that, that would make sense to me that they would be uh, built uh, right at the, the same time for the same purposes kind of thing well and i have a i have a cousin that i mean we had a family funeral and he was there and he was he was one of the 70s he is now over all of the adam and diamond area mm -hmm. there he is the one that's been put in charge of that you know to make making sure everything's built up and taken care of and i mean what i wouldn't have give to have been able to spend a few hours to <laughs> you know <laughs> tap into his brain exactly yeah i, I want to know what you know and uh, exactly see <laughs> and he flies back there weekly weekly yeah. You know, he lives in Salt Lake. He was a surgeon with the prophet. I mean, when his oh, really? father when his father passed away here a couple of years ago, President Nelson went to the funeral. I mean, it's he is very close with him, extremely close. So, wow, I would love to know what <laughs> yeah. he knows. <laughs> About a year ago, I can't remember who said it. It was in one of those groups I'm in, but someone knew someone who lived in Missouri and the city those little cities in missouri were desperately trying to buy the land that the church owns and he was saying oh no they're they're actually moving stuff on them they're buying stuff and getting the materials ready for something <laughs> I, I can't remember if it was my cousin that said or if it was somewhere i don't remember but it was just recently that someone i heard say that the church owns probably 75 percent of the land back there right so yeah and i can't remember where it was because last week was like a gush of things that hit my brain all at once and and it's like whoa whoa that i mean it was just like an overwhelming amount of things that mm -hmm. hit me don't you love it when that happens? <laughs> That's another reason the restoration is fun. It's like, man, sometimes you get like these oh, kind of what we call downloads of, of information or emotions and connections. Yeah. Like, whoa, like I'm finally I mean, starting to understand a principle a little bit. Yeah, more. It all I was just like trying to get ready. And I, I get up at four o'clock in the morning to have to go to work, you know? So a mm -hmm. lot of times it'll be then when I'm like, I need to write that down. Oh, I don't have time to write it down. I'm going to be late to work. I mean, it's just like slam in my head, you know, that <laughs> yep. like, you got to remember that you got to remember that. And I don't have anybody to, to bounce it off of because they think I'm crazy. The ones for this group, my, my download time that I go, okay, I got to remember to say this, 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 this. I know. How often do I say that mother? Like, oh, I can't wait till we get with uh, group A or group B or whatever. And like, when we can talk about some of that stuff. But, uh, we, yeah, you're nuts what yeah. what? what are you talking about I'm like okay never mind <laughs> but i know the my partner with teaching primary today because i went pretty i went as deep as i thought i could go and the kids i held their attention you know mm -hmm. and i told them about how they were you know told to leave and the fighting and i mean i got kind of dramatic in it and stuff but <laughs> they i held their attention i was really yeah. surprised at how far they 
they you know went with me and I'm like wow this is kind of cool you know uh-huh. I, I yeah, kind of, the, the rising generation they're they're ready and wanting to to listen and uh, glean those stories and stuff in it seems greater uh, than than in the past you know yeah so. because they really held their attention really you know and I even went to the part where Joseph Smith went to you know the president and wanted you know to get help there and I mean, they, and they, I'm telling them they were in, he was in his buggy at horse and buggy, you know, and they were just, I mean, I was, I was amazed at how glued they were to me. I was like, wow, I really have the spirit helping me right mm-hmm. now because to teach them they, they were, it wasn't just the little basics. I went deep, you know, with it. And so oh, you give me hope. I just got called as a primary worker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I don't know if I got called into the primary right now, I'd be like, oh man, like I, <laughs> that would be kind of an interesting flip, you know, like, well, <laughs> and that's why I kind of, I pushed the envelope a lot of times, you know, waiting to see if they're, it's going to hold what, how much is going to hold in their attention. And I know uh-huh. my partner thinks I'm crazy, you know, cause he's <laughs> but it's like, well, I'm going to go with it. Cause Nope. that's what I'm feeling right now and I you know I'll think what I'm gonna do in my mind but I always go I don't have a firm plan when I go in and I just kind of mm-hmm. let the spirit guide me with how far I go mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah next week you'll be acting out Armageddon and <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> fighting with each other and you know and then I said and I told him you know the be still be still <laughs> be still you know and it was it was good it went good so I was mm-hmm. Very happy, very pleased. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, there's another thought that popped in my head, but I can't remember what it was all of a sudden. Um, say, uh, talking about judge. Oh, so kind of back to to what um, Abraham was talking about here in the beginning. That um, when these two groups, uh, the the righteous and the wicked, actually confront each other. And it's under duress that the righteous can um, start uh, climbing the ladder or uh, receiving the, the blessings kind of thing. There's, there's that descent before ascent principle, right? Um, let's find the other. There's one more line in here that popped in my head. Oh, yeah, right here. Um, so, persecute the righteous. It suggests that the reversal of circumstances between Zion and non-Zion. So when they swap, it takes place when rebellion and disloyalty intensify and reach a climactic point. So, you know, kind of what we talked about the last two weeks with the loyalty, disloyalty, but when that disloyalty intensifies and finally reaches its climactic point, that's when Zion and non-Zion swap and um, the one is exalted, the other debased. And, and that, again, was kind of a, kind of a sign for, for the times. Like, it's like we're living that. Rebellion and disloyalty are really uh, rearing their, their head right now. 
Um, and, and it's a great testing and proving ground that the Lord is giving us. Uh, he gives us little tests of loyalty all along the way. And I don't think that we're done by any means, but um, just constantly checking ourselves going, am I loyal? Am, am I holding fast and firm in my testimony of things at all, at all hazards? And um, how am I helping those around me remain loyal in their tests and trials? Uh, sometimes we're going to have collective tests, um, but sometimes we're just going to have individual tests. And, and can, I, can I read something that goes along with this that I saw today that brought a lot of peace? Yeah. So this is the, the closing statement from um, the Book of Mormon, right? Yeah. Um, Moroni said, come unto Christ and be perfected in him and deny yourself of all ungodliness. And if you shall deny yourself of all ungodliness and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then you are sanctified in Christ. I love that. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, exactly. I think sometimes we try to make a lot more out of it and, and we mm -hmm. boggle down and we feel like we're not good enough and there's Satan creeps in. I just was just like so relieved to read this. I'm like, okay, there's that word sanctified. What do we need to do? We come to Christ and we're perfected in him. And then what we need to do is deny ourselves of all ungodliness. That, that's, that gets easier every day as yeah. we're in the scriptures right we can do this um and love god with all your might mind and strength then um this is then are, are ye sanctified in christ then are you sanctified there's like some dot 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 so i think i'm missing something but this was from a talk um the sabbath is a delight i was listening to today that mm, yeah about that so i listened to president nelson's conference talk and i didn't get the rest of that stuff from the training i haven't gotten huh. through that yet but um that was today i thought that was really good yeah for sure um that that sanctification is such an important process and you know i kind of go in waves where I think I understand it really good and fully and stuff. And then some time goes by and different studies happen and then it comes back and it seems to be coming back in full force. Like my mom mentioned it uh, today. You mentioned it just barely like when things start repeating again, it's like, Oh, that's kind of a trigger warning. Like um, you're going to need to study sanctification again. I have some more to teach you on it kind of thing. You know, like uh, I think that that's a, a huge um thing coming our way pretty soon um a great sanctification effort as we do it with all of our might mind or let's see i'm quoting dnc4 uh our heart mind and strength there or something oh be perfected in him and deny yourself of all ungodliness and if you shall deny yourself of all ungodliness and love god with all your might mind and strength then um and there's a dot 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 so there's something missing but are you sanctified in christ I guess I, I need to look this up now in the Book of Mormon. Yeah, so what does it mean, might, mind, and strength, in context of um, kind of the test of loyalty? That's where my mind first goes. I don't know why, but um, there's the three tests of loyalty, right? There's the political, the ecclesiastical, and the uh, idolatry or Babylon. And could that possibly correlate with might, mind, and strength? Um, as we serve him at, at all three of those 
tests that we can be sanctified through that process there. I don't know. That, that's something I'm going to have to, to study mm-hmm. more on myself. But yeah, I love that because um, uh, Mormon, Ether, and Moroni there are all, it's kind of the overarching chiasmus, but then there's that, that mini chiasmus just within Moroni that repeats everything from those three books. But I mean, th- there's some of the darkest moments um, in uh, Mormon and uh, Ether and Moroni there, right? I mean, there's some chapters that are really heavy. Um, the destruction hits and it hits hard and uh, Satan has, has quite a battle. But in the end, truth always prevails and, and righteousness always um, comes after the, the dark. And, and just how Moroni just sums up the whole Book of Mormon there at the very end, that promise. I have the rest of it. Do you want to hear it all together now? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, deny yourself of all ungodliness and love God with all your might, mind, and strength. Then is his grace sufficient for you that by his grace you may be perfect in Christ. And if by the grace of God you are perfect in Christ, you can in no wise deny the power of God. And again, if it, you got, and again, if ye by the grace of God are perfect in Christ and deny not his power, then ye are sanctified in Christ by the grace of God through the shedding of the blood of Christ, which is in the covenant of the Father unto the remission of your sins, that ye become holy without spot. Yeah. So we have that perfection and the sanctification principles coming into play there. Mm-hmm. Um, backing off of each other. Yeah, I love that. I think with each of these tests that we go through and the suffering and tribulations that we go through, that's the things that sanctify us is mm-hmm. as we go through those. That's what, what does it. Yeah. And, and who's kind of our great exemplar of that? Um, well, I'm not great exemplar because Christ is the exemplar of all, right? But I, I always go back to, to Abraham. Isaiah? Uh, yeah, Isaiah. Oh, yeah, Abraham. <laughs> like, I meant to say Abraham. Abraham, yes. <laughs> the, the test of loyalty, everything. There's so many different versions of tests that, that he had to go through and sometimes on multiple levels. Um multiple times but that he never lost his faith and he always put himself in an area like he never tried to to run away from tests or put himself in comfortable positions he was always placing his house on crossroads where he could have the most impact and the most good uh the most opportunities to minister etc and because of that he was always able to pass his tests uh when they came and so we, as we're going through the, the last days, the, the fullness of the restoration, um, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is, for an example anyway, is like prepping. You know, you have the extreme prepping and the brethren have warned against it kind of thing, you know, like, <laughs> wait a minute, it, it, we're more worried about your spiritual preparation than anything here. You know, it's great to, to be prepared, but um, don't get sidetracked and don't be comfortable. Like, it's not going to be a, a case of hunker down and um, just ride out the storm. But um, as we learn from Isaiah here in these two chapters in 32 and 33, that he needs kings and queens to rise up 
and help in this. It's not just about uh, escaping the king of Assyria. We're actually in a battle. We, we have to start defending our people and, and helping, uh, helping people through their tests because there's no way to ascend without tests of loyalty. And so um, as we pass and uh, prove ourselves uh, worthy of sanctification, that we can help others do the same, uh, rising to that. It's, it's not just about comfort and um, hunkering down and, and hoping we can survive. It's about thriving uh, through the, the restoration in these, these last times. Um, I think that, that that was kind of a, a huge waking up moment for me throughout the, the book of Isaiah. Um, next week, when we kind of finalize all of Isaiah and wrap it up in a bow, I, I definitely want to throw out the question. So be thinking about it. But what are some of the main takeaways that, that you have gained from uh, reading Isaiah this time through? Uh, what has changed in your life because of a deeper understanding of Isaiah's words and, you know, things along that line, like how has this impacted your life? Um, but I think that, you know, all throughout here uh, in this chapter, this disinheritance versus inheritance principle, um, I think we have lots of lessons to learn from the historical um, perspectives. Like why weren't we as, um, the early pioneers uh, inheriting Zion. Why didn't we get to keep that inheritance in Missouri? And, and how can we change and modify that so that when we have the opportunity to inherit Missouri or you know Zion as, as a whole, that we don't lose out again uh, personally or you know as, as our families, et cetera. Um, I, I think that we can learn from all of these historical examples of the, the pattern that the, that the Lord works through. Um, I'm just going to bring up the, the Bifid structure here on, on the screen because that's what's coming to mind. Um, all of a sudden I click on the wrong thing and then everything goes crazy. Um, so with ruin and rebirth, uh, as we start learning and, and growing in that and moving all the way through the seven part structure here and ending up with disinheritance and inheritance, it, it all comes down to, to, to loyalty throughout the whole process. I think, uh, I think that that was one of the biggest takeaways for me, um, coming to, to pick a side and, and remaining loyal to it. Uh, remaining loyal to the Lord so that we can have an inheritance in Zion. Um, that's what kind of drew me to the Abraham book. Uh, at, at first was the, the whole Zion principle. That's what I was seeking. And then Isaiah. And now we're going to triumph of Zion, learning how to actually build it in our own lives and in our own homes. Um, it, it's all about this inheritance, but to get there, we have to to, to prove loyal under all things and it, just building upon all of Isaiah's seven part structure here, uh, looking how that applies to our own lives because God works in patterns. Has he put you through the, the ruin and rebirth, rebellion, compliance, punishment, deliverance, humiliation, exaltation, suffering and salvation, 
disloyalty and loyalty so that we can actually inherit Zion. I think that that's, that's key for me. That's a, a huge uh, uh, change that, that has happened in, in my studies and, and everything. But, so um, while you're talking, it made me think uh, we have this vision of Isaiah, but do I, how, what do I really know about Isaiah except this vision that he saw? And so I, I just mm-hmm. gave the Bible dictionary um, definition of, of Isaiah well, and, and explained about Isaiah. And there's not a whole, whole lot there that we know about Isaiah. Like we know more about Abraham than we know about Isaiah. But yeah. um, I guess the name Isaiah means the Lord is salvation. Okay. I, I, I had known that, but I had forgotten it. <laughs> so well, that's, that's a great that you maybe want to share this and look at this for a second while we're talking. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so he's the son of Amos, the prophet in Jerusalem during 40 years, so 740 to 701 BC. He had great religious and political influence during the reign of Hezekiah, whose chief advisor he was. Tradition states that he was sawn asunder. What does that mean, sawn asunder? During the reign uh, of Say that again? Uh, he was sawed in half. Oh. So oh. sawed across the belly. Oh, my goodness. During the reign of Manasseh, and for that reason, he's often represented in a, an art as holding a saw. And then this goes on. He's one of the most quoted prophets. And we know that in the book, all the, all the scriptures. Great are the words of Isaiah. But that's interesting that his name means the Lord is salvation. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, if we're commanded to, to read and study Isaiah, etc., cetera, um, we're basically with, with just his name there, the, the Lord is salvation, in order to, to study him is to come to an understanding of salvation, what it means to be saved and, and everything. And so throughout his works, I, I can see more fully how that um, is so apt in his name there. Because, you know, Isaiah uh, has names for his children and um, Hosea also has names for his children that are, are very prophetic. But even the, the name of Isaiah himself, I think that's very intriguing. And then the Savior saying, study Isaiah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, study salvation. This, I, I gave it to Isaiah. Go study that. How, how do you come back? How do you become saved? Because we're definitely in need of it, especially in these last days when <laughs> all heck is breaking loose. There's, there's a lot to, to navigate. But salvation is possible, but it's only through descents that we can actually ascend. Um, yeah, it, there's so much there. Um, anything else in, in these chapters that, that stood out to you or anything else that you'd like to, to kind of wrap up on uh, tonight? I tell you, the time goes by so fast. <laughs> Let's see. I was just kind of looking back through the chapter here.
yeah, next week there's there's quite a few chapters, but they're all very good and um, they're kind of on the the happier note. Like, what actually happens to the righteous uh, preparatory for the second coming? Um, it's there. There's some fun chapters to to really go through. But um, anyway, uh, the more and more reading Isaiah with with everyone has just opened my eyes to um, how little we actually know. <laughs> you know, like the more I know, the more I know that I don't know anything. Um, but how exciting it is that the Lord is starting to unlock these things and, and help us learn. Once you're ready to put forth a little bit of effort, he'll start giving you the mysteries and, and helping you really understand these things. You know, like, uh, I'm sure in the whole scope of Isaiah, I'm only understanding like uh, a fraction of that first percent. Um, but through, through diligent study and um, learning line upon line here at the beginning, uh, starting to really dive into his life and uh, the examples that, that are, are set forth there. Um, I, it's going to be so fun studying Old Testament. Old Testament is my favorite. Um, but, but next year with come follow me, even though it's a, a rapid <laughs> pace that we're having to, to fit the whole old Testament in one year. But, um, again, I don't think it's totally coincidence, the timing that we're studying old Testament as a lot of those, um, dominoes are starting to, uh, play out in 2022. Um, it's going to be a fun time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just have such a strong testimony of the words of Isaiah and how crucial and important they are for us in, in our lives. Uh, this Zion principle is, is huge. I'm excited to go to Triumph of Zion. I think it'll be uh, a fun kind of switch of gears. You know, we're, I mean, we're all still in the same boat here, but um, taking some, some personal applications and, you know, revisiting Isaiah a little bit down the road um, as well. But uh, it's just a fun time. I, I'm so grateful for, for each one of you and, and your participation, how you uh, contribute and aid to our, our collective study here, because it, it's so fun to, to bounce ideas off of and, and have a safe place to talk about things without having to, to be guarded in, in what we say, etc. Just being able to, to flesh out some ideas and uh, navigate these end times. Um, it, it's so fun. <laughs> I look forward to it every week. Um, but yeah, just my huge testimony of Isaiah and how important it is in our lives. I'm so grateful that um, those that, that recommended it to me uh, so that we uh, did that, it's, it's been such a rewarding experience. Um, any final thoughts, things before we head out? Here's a thought. Did you know that the um... Washington, D.C. Temple will not be rededicated until next year in June. It'll be four Seriously? years. It'll be four years that it's been closed. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. So the they, open house is, let's see, it closed on March 3rd in um, 2018. And then um, when is the rededication on this? Let me see. Well, I told you that it was in June, June 2022. And then the open house is like April through, through June. 
Mm-hmm. Interesting. East Coast. <laughs> That's going to be an interesting open house, you know, like Washington, D.C. You know, they try to bring in the, the local, uh, you know, politicians and, and prominent people to, mm-hmm. to go through our temples and stuff. That's mm-hmm. it's going to be an interesting one to, to see how that. Have you, has anybody uh, ever been to the D.C. temple? Uh-uh. No, I have not. It's huge. Yeah. <laughs> And you just like almost walk a half a mile before you get anywhere. I don't know. <laughs> like it's a big, yeah. long corridor to get in. And then there's like a lot of ordinance rooms. Mm-hmm. It's overwhelming. It's huge. Yeah. So is that your guys' temple when it is it no, open? No, no, oh. So we live, in, we live in the Raleigh area. So the Raleigh oh. is about 20 minutes from us. Oh, okay. No. Gotcha. but it used to be the temple before they built the raleigh temple it was the temple mm-hmm. yeah. yeah about a four like a four and a half hour drive i think they okay. would rent buses and take big groups up and leave early in the morning and do a couple sessions and then drive back sleeping on yeah. the night people yeah, tell us that would be a crazy one right yeah, on my mission uh, there in Torreon, the, the Mexico City Temple is like 12 hours away. And so they would take a week-long excursion. They would take a bus and stay for wow. the whole week there in the patron housing and come back. And so it was kind of interesting. Anytime that they did like a temple trip, like church was canceled that week because all of the members were at the temple. <laughs> and, oh, my goodness. And doing so it, it, it was just interesting, the dedication that that... that uh, proves, you know, like it takes sacrifice to be able to, to leave work for a whole week and, and do that. And, uh, you know, just yeah. here we have it so simple sometimes to have temples so close, but, you know, um, we went through some sacrifices before, but, but now the Lord is kind of speeding things up and, and needing us to do ordinances very quickly and, and things. It's such a blessing to have temples close by <laughs> and, and not have to do some of those sacrifices that uh, some of the the pioneers, or even some today, uh, still have to do. Right. Yeah. Oh, pioneer family used to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. My pioneer family used to have to uh, leave in their wagon, and then they'd rent this little house in Manti, and then oh. they'd stay for a couple of days so they could work in the temple for a couple of days. And they'd hop back in because it, it took them, you know, a while to get home, even though uh-huh. it was pretty And where were they at? Where did they live? Um, they lived in Sevier County down by Richfield. Okay. Then, so that to drive now, it's about an hour. But for them, it was a big old wagon ride. And then they'd yeah. stay and rent this little cottage and stay at the temple for a couple of days. And then they'd go back home. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to read about. Yeah. Back in the old days, too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Big sacrifice. Well, I, I think with that, we'll kind of conclude, but uh, we'll see everyone next week for the, uh, the final uh, part of Isaiah here, uh, that second half of uh, disinheritance and inheritance. It's kind of a big one. Uh, get your <laughs> your reading done early because it'll catch up to you. <laughs> I usually try to cram just on Sunday before groups, but uh, I think I'm going to have to read that one all week long.
I always cram Saturday night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, schedules just get busy. It's, it's, well, they uh, do. <laughs> I do it yeah, just so they forget, so I have to do it right, right before. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yeah, and then sometimes I need like a reminder so that I can send out the reminder <laughs> earlier on Sunday <laughs> rather than just an hour ahead of time. So, oh yeah, I need to read. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, it's been fun. Uh, we'll see everyone next week. <laughs> Thanks. Have a great week. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye.